Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Hey, it's Herbert. And you're listening to the About Last Night podcast, you slippery little son of a bitch. I do this every time when I get to a hotel, when I'm checking in first thing, I yeah. always unpack. That's the rule. I always unpack, take that first 30 minutes, unpack, make everything comfortable. And then that's when I go in for the nap. That's the best part of it. Yeah. 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 It, uh, you, I mean, look, we all have our, ho- every comic has a routine they do. I, I wish I was more responsible and unpacked like that, but it's usually like, I don't know, try to get like, make sure there's no, you know, unwanted semen or blood anywhere. Not that like that's, you know, look, we're all doing good clubs at this point to where that shouldn't be the case. But like every now and then there'll be a hyenas where they're like, Hey, you want to stay at the condo? If it's a comedy condo, that's usually where you have to do extra checks. I've actually put myself up in hotels sometimes because the, what I've walked into has been so uh, awful, but have you ever Oh, go ahead. Well, I remember when I was, and I was talking to Steve Byrne about this uh, a couple of nights ago. We get it. I, you have Asian friends. <laughs> when I did the Sullivan and Sons stand-up tour with those guys. Oh, yeah. Great summers, which was great. Those guys took me on the road. It was Steve, Owen, Roy, and Ahmed. We just did the road, one-nighters. Everything was great. Looked like I a blast. Remember we, it was so much fun. I remember we went and we checked into this hotel in Oregon. And it was in Portland, and the woman there, it was this very kind of like holistic, yoga-ish, hippie-type hotel. And the woman's like, hey, you know, over here is our, our quiet area, and then this is our koi pond. And, you know, we always have a meditation session at like 6 p.m. And it was really set up nicely. It was just beautiful. Yeah. I remember the next morning I went down there. We, we went out late that night, all drank. I remember going down to the front desk, and I said, hey, can I get a 30-minute late checkout? And the woman was like, nope, gotta go. And it was like, what happened to the gypsies and the, uh, the flowers? <laughs> and the night I've never seen somebody turn so quickly to be like, hey, you're done out of here. I, one time, I remember when I was working on my own, I couldn't, you know, I was working the punchline in Sacramento and I would price line rooms. Did you ever do that when you were just kind of by yourself? Yes. Oh, yeah. Right. <clears throat> oh, yeah. You'd price line these rooms. And I remember I was working the Sacramento punchline. I was featuring, they wouldn't put you up at a hotel. So I priced this room. It was Easter weekend. And it was the Radisson in Sacramento. And dude, it had a beautiful man-made lake in the middle. Beautiful. I pull up at him into the, the hotel. Parking lot's dead. I go up to the front desk. I said, uh, checking in. Would love to get a room by the lake. The guy's like, I can't see why that's a problem. Starts typing in. The Priceline red flag button starts jumping all over the place. No. He's like, he's like sorry, we don't have anything. Dude, put me in just this shitty room, shitty corner room. Meanwhile, all of these rooms right by the man-made lake are clearly empty. The same <laughs> cost to clean this room, he just doesn't want to bother with. No. It. 
but but <laughs> like, why would he care? You know what I mean? But literally, I just remember this beautiful lake. I was like, this could be a great weekend at the Sacrament Punchline. It was a decoy. But, it was a facade was, just to kind of distract you from the shit house that was about to go down. I remember, I remember because I started stand up in San Francisco, and when we yeah. would get the Sacramento Punchline, everybody would price line a room in Sacramento, and you'd always That's get the so Red Lion. The red line was always like $31. And it wasn't a bad room. I mean, all things considered. And yeah. I'm sure you did this when you started. Would you, if you had a Sunday night show, you would check out on Sunday afternoon just so you wouldn't incur that extra night of hotel cost? And then Fuck you would yeah. drive home. Oh, yeah. Drive home. Drive home. Crash at a buddy's. Yeah. It was, so, you, so you started in San Fran. I didn't know that. Yeah. I started up there with, I mean, a lot of guys that started, a lot of guys that started after me who are now just crushing it, like uh, Moshi, Moshi Kasher, uh, uh, who else was up there? I kind of started right before, like, guys like Ryan Stout. Um, who were the guys that were in my class? A lot of guys oh, did Allie? No. down. Allie was after me. Uh, but I did a lot of guys with, like, uh, Joe Klosik, uh Dan Lewis, a lot of guys that just never moved. I think they right. just got cold feet, or they did move and then ended up moving back. But Can, can was, you speak to that cold feet thing? Because that's such a real – I'm always – impressed by people that do make the move because i know how jarring it can be to oh. go from where are you are. it's such an easier said than done thing i guess you know you or i don't even think twice about it because you're just like well i know i'm gonna do this so i have to go there or new york where some big city where there's a lot more opportunities and where the yeah. like thriving but people i understand the cold feet thing but it's i guess i don't know as many people obviously because once if they don't do it and you know of them then it's kind of it's almost kind of weird to stay in a lot of contact because you're it's almost a constant reminder for them of you that like they didn't make the jump and then for you it's kind of like you're trying to like be oh so what are you doing now unless i'm sure there are examples of people that didn't do it and then found some other happiness in life but you know anyone that has was thinking about making a move to really pursue it is always going to kind of think about that Oh, I mean, listen, I dated a girl back years and years ago in San Francisco who was the hit of San Francisco, like was, could have been one of the breakout stars of San Francisco comedy. I mean, not only was she funny, but she was a funny female Yeah. and she stopped doing it. She now has a, a little daughter, her and her husband live in Portland. I mean, I, she has a great life, but I think she does look back and when she sees other people still doing it, I think she's pretty envious of it because I think she misses it. It's I, I hear this all the time too. I don't know if you hear this all the time. People that haven't done comedy in like 10 years, they'll have the balls to tell you like, I might start doing it again. You're like, oh, start do you weren't doing it before. Like, start what, what do you mean? doing it again. I know that. Yeah. Don't you take offense to that too? You're like, this isn't just like, you know, fucking, uh, I don't know. I was trying to think of a funny uh, uh, rollerblading. I don't know. Butt fucking. I don't know. Some, some sort of improv stuff here. <laughs> but um, something that like is, is so, first of all, stand-up, it's, it's something that I think everyone feels like it, for a small, a small piece of everyone thinks they can do it, right? I've even heard my, my mom joke about getting on stage. And, <laughs> and look, she does have great timing. I do get a lot of my sense of humor from her. Um, but it's, it's, uh, once you get into the grind of it, man, you start to get very prideful about it and know, and I mean, you can speak to this too, because you're one of the funniest people in our biz and you do something aside from stand up and writing jokes and that grind doing all that, you have another muscle in your arsenal of the crowd warm up. Yeah. It's like, what is so brilliant about it? First of all, it's so, what do you got a fucking DJ class going on in the background? <laughs> what was that? 
<laughs> I got to tell you, this is no joke. Sitting with me in the room, but you know, my wife and I are huge, huge dog fans, and yeah. we pulled a dog out of the shelter that had been there for a year. Hold on, here's. I'll see if you can see the guy. Today, when? Yep. Earlier, we just Wait, found him. Today? Yeah. 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 Are you kidding me? He was there for a year. Look at Wait, this, this guy. This is his first podcast. We're introducing yeah. him to the yeah, world. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he, well, we can't, because we have other dogs out in the, uh, the main room, so we can't mix him quite yet. We got to make sure he's okay. such a saint. So you. He was, he was, in, the, he was in the shelter for a year. They know, but, and, and they said he had a bunch of aggression issues. Now, I don't, we haven't seen any of that yet, but uh, he's amazing. He's what if all of a sudden he gets one look at me through the camera and he's like, I fucking hate <laughs> this guy's comedy. I'm about well, to my- eat everything. Hey guys, Adam Ray here for the About Last Night podcast. Hope you're enjoying the episode. Man, it's good to be back. And you know what? The best part about being back is sharing the goodies with you, the fans. I love candles, okay? You know from listening to this podcast, we've always had candles living around the apartment and now my new place. And um, I'm tired of buying the bullshit candles from the store. I want some personal touch. I want something handmade. So that's why I found Hangover Candle Company. That's right. Homemade by a bartender in Fort Collins, Colorado. He's a big comedy fan, podcast fan, reached out, said, I love the pod, would love to send you some candles. I'm like, I'm not comfy giving you my address. He's like, come on, trust me. I was like, all right, let's roll the dice. Boom. Now I've got fucking 40 different flavors of Hangover Candle Company candles in my place. Um, They're cut, sanded, poured, packed, and shipped all by him. Um, And you can choose from over 200 different containers, okay, to build your candle in and over 40 different scents to create your own uh, smell. You can customize your own scents. Shit, man, they've got flavors like uh, fucking root beer, apple pie, cinnamon stick, coffee, fresh cut grass, uh, hazelnut, lavender, leather, maple syrup, peach, pine, sandalwood, spearmint, sea breeze, vanilla bean, watermelon. Go to Hangover Candle Co., uh, on Etsy, okay? Go to Etsy, type in Hangover Candle Co. It'll pop up the shop and then pick your candles and then use the promo code ALN25 at checkout to get 25% off your first order. 25%. Hangover Candle Co. is on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, but again, go to Etsy, type in Hangover Candle Co., find the candles and the smells you want, create your own, and then use ALN25 at checkout to get 25% off your first order. I love candles. They're great for any occasions, bar mitzvahs, circumcisions, uh, fucking weddings, funerals, gender reveal parties, uh, divorce parties, uh, coming out parties, coming in parties, coming parties. These candles are the shit, and they're my fave, and I want you guys to have them. So type in Etsy.com, and then type in Hangover Candle Co., and, uh, and pick your candles and use ALN25 at checkout for 25% off. All right? Start smelling better. Start looking better. Start feeling better, okay? Because everybody farts, and candles are a great way to get rid of that. And now back to the episode. My wife always busts my balls because I'll say after we have the dog, I'll say, uh, let's go to McDonald's and get him something to eat for his first, you know, kind of uh, treat out. And my wife is like, is this for the dog or you asshole? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Knows. No, I yeah. bet the dog would love a double quarter pounder with cheese supersized. Look how great. Th- I mean, who gives up this dog? I don't know if you could see this dog, but he is, he's fantastic. Oh, dude, you're yeah. such a lifesaver. I mean, he's, he's awesome. Can you already, how quickly can you tell? I just got a pup, uh, well, about five months ago. Yeah. But it's, yeah, her name's Pickles. The, you know, game changer for mood, life, you know, don't have kids. Oh so it's, it's a nice fill for that. But do you notice, right, she was terrified when we, got her first and then the seeing her get comfortable with us at home is like really special has that happened yet with this one it's it's well yeah i it's mean we, we, we picked up this dog like three hours ago we were worried because again we heard a bunch of negative stuff i mean if the, if the dog is in a shelter for a year that's never good i mean like what happened why 
Why has the dog been passed over? Especially now, Adam, because all these shelters are going empty. I mean, most of these dogs have been fostered or adopted, which is, Fuck, you know, dude. the nice thing about this pandemic is that people want dogs. But I don't know. You're worried because even when he was in the car with us, it, you know, is, is he going to snap? Is he going to get weird? But the whole time he's been great. And, uh, you know, I think he's just so excited to be out of those conditions and sitting in a cage for as long as he was. It's, it's insane. But, yeah, he's sitting right by me because we don't – we want to just be careful introducing him to yeah. the others so it doesn't go crazy. But, um, but yeah, I, 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 but I did want to kind of hit on what you were talking about. Like, when I moved from San Francisco, dude, nobody was moving. Everybody was kind of in their own little cocoon because, listen, that's a great town. It's a great town to do stand-up in, and nobody wanted to leave. And, and the rule that I always heard, which you look back on life and realize it was bullshit, people would say – don't move from San Francisco unless you're featuring at both Cobbs and the punchline. That was the rule. You don't leave unless you're featuring. And I don't know how, but I realized was like, why does LA give two shits about Cobbs or the punchline? It doesn't. Cause I remember always getting work at the punchline, but Cobbs wouldn't work me. It was two separate owners at the time. Uh, there was a local guy that owned Cobbs and I couldn't get any work there, but the punchline really worked me. So right. I was like, well, why would I care if, one of these clubs doesn't work me. And I remember a comic named Andrew Norelli. Do you know Andrew? Oh, yeah. Very funny. Yeah. Funny dude. He said to, to like a group of us that were sitting around bitching one day that we couldn't get work at one of the other clubs. He's like, guys, I don't know if you realize this, but if you leave the city, there's like 80 million clubs outside this little eight-mile diameter. Yeah. That's right. Like, who gives a shit? I mean, yeah. you know, there's – you don't care. And so when I moved – and I remember my brother kind of helping me move down to L.A. and packing up the U-Haul, moving down to L.A. and found finding a roommate on Craigslist and just doing that whole thing. I, you know, he drops me off and I'm like, what the hell did I just do? I was like, was this a mistake? And then I got to tell you, you know, the crazy thing was Adam within a year of living down in LA a year, I was past the Hollywood improv and I was doing warm up on the late, late show with Craig Kilborn. I was wow. Were you really? Yeah. I was, dude, that, that was, was the my first warm up. Th that's I dude. I wonder, were you doing it in 2000? Well, I did. I must have been because I did. Wait, wait. When did I start it? I, I moved down here in 2002 and I did two or three years. I did his very last show. So I moved down here. I worked. I started on it in 2003 and was on it for okay. about a year. Wow. Yep. Well, okay. Yep. Well, I was in LA then. I went to a taping then. I must have seen you. That's crazy. You did? Yeah. I, I, my mom came to visit. That was one of the first things we did when, when she came to see me in LA in, in college. That's crazy. So that, okay. So you got that gig how quickly into being in LA? uh let's see i moved to la in 2002 that i moved in august 2002 by the end of 2003 i was doing the late late show and i was also passed at the hollywood improv which wow. was insane to have now, both it was crazy and how much grinding was happening when you got to la okay so roommate on craigslist which is crazy yeah uh you still keep in touch with that roommate yeah yeah we actually you know what's crazy dude we had a great place in santa monica lived four blocks from the beach Wow. I think I paid like 800 a month. He was probably paying 300. I was in Santa Monica, paying. that's incredible. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. So, and I remember- Why, wait, only, first of all, why'd you get a place near the beach? Because for people that don't know, like the clubs are in Hollywood. That's, yeah. that's you know, a good 20, 30 minute trek, but- Didn't even think about it. All I wanted was to be in LA, in Santa okay. Monica. Like okay. that was, to me, that was the goal. I mean, oh, looking okay. back at it now- Looking back at it now, uh, you know, we're in Encino, so it just wouldn't – Santa Monica makes no sense at all. Yeah. I mean, it just 
great area, but just hard to be in. You know what I mean? But as, so as soon as you so, got to LA, you just were, you just were what going to mics and just trying to meet people. And did you have a game plan or yeah. like, did people give you no. any sort of uh, advice or no. were you like, I feel funny enough. I'm going to go be Gary Cannon and, and people are going to, well, the, the, the crazy thing was the crazy thing was I, uh, knew a bunch of people. Whoop. Did I lose you? Yeah. There I you can see just name. There you okay. go. Okay. There you go. Uh, the crazy thing I was- I thought you were going to put I, me on pause to go rescue another dog. <laughs> to run fucking, to the shelter. You the, fucking the good crazy guy. Thing was, the crazy thing was, I didn't spend a lot of time in LA when I moved to LA. I did a bunch of shows in Orange County. That's what I did. I so you cut your teeth, All huh? of those shows. Yeah, because- Was that strategic? I looked at it like- Well, yeah, because I looked at it like this. I'm not going to be in LA waiting for three, four hours- for some of these people to may or may not put me on. I just Whoa. didn't, pl- I didn't want to do that. So I felt like that time that I'd be just sitting around, I could drive down to, you know, a show in Orange County, a Bill Word show or a Terry the Funny Plumber show and just get on right away. And that's what I did for a long time. I just, I kind of cut my teeth that way. And then I remember, I, this was kind of the break. I remember this. I had worked with Brett Butler at the San Grace Under Fire. Club. Yeah. Wow. I had worked with her years beforehand. And she was working the Ontario Improv. So she got me in to feature for her. It was Matt Fulcheron hosting, me featuring. She was headlining. And because of that, and because she called the Improv Booking Office, that then got me a showcase for the Hollywood Improv at like four in the afternoon on a Tuesday. I did the showcase. It went well. And I got passed right then and there. And at the time, that was when, I don't know if you remember this, but, you know, the Thursday nights were the big nights. Drew Carey. Oh, the, yeah. The, 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 the improv groups, all this other stuff. And I was hosting almost every Thursday night, if not once a week, which was the greatest. Wow. They just started rotating me into the lineup. And that felt really good. And just as that was coming up, I started researching uh, shows, TV shows. And I went to a taping of The Late Late Show with Craig Kilborn. I met the warm-up guy, who's one of my best buddies to date. And basically, he told me, he said, hey, I can only do two or three days a week here because I have another gig that I do. I have a sitcom. I do sitcoms that pay eight times what I'm getting here, nine times what I'm getting here. So he said, why don't you audition? He's like, they're looking for somebody. So they auditioned me and a couple of other people. And uh, he was the ultimate decision maker of who got to get that gig. And he gave it to me. And it was maybe the best kind of experience in terms of a warm-up gig because it was such a hard gig because unlike Conan when we start the show like Conan it's 15 minutes of warm-up the show starts we're never late ever with Kilborn, it was like I could either be out there for 15 minutes or an hour it just depended wow Moody was in was he crimping in the back was so so you just never knew you just kept going until you were given the nod from the stage manager that you were ready to go. But there was never any indication of like, are we ready or not ready? It was brutal. I'm just kidding. There's nobody there. Hey guys, comedian Adam right here. Hope you're enjoying this episode of the About Last Night podcast. Boy, I got to tell you, I've been feeling good lately. And the reason why? Koi CBD. That's right. Back in the game. Feeling like my best self. Look, Koi CBD is the best CBD company in the business. I don't care what you hear from other people, other comics, Koi CDB, CBD. See, I got so much BBD, CBD inside me, I ain't even fucking talking right. You know why? Because I slept well on the Koi CBD gummies. That's right. They've got everything from tinctures to bath bombs to gummies. Uh, they got a skincare line coming soon. They got hand sanitizer during these times. It's very important. So... 
What you want to do, if you want to start feeling like your best self, you want to take some Koi CBD bombs, put them in the bath, okay? What? Yeah, come on in. Jackson, I'm doing an ad for my podcast. Can you say, hi? Hello. Say, I use CBD gummies. I use CBD gummies. From Koi. From Koi. Koi's the best. Koi's the best. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel good. I feel like my best self. I feel my best self. Look at these muscles. Look at these muscles. Kiss them. If you get Koi CBD right now, you go to KoiCBD.com, promo code about last night, and you get 20% off your first order. That's incredible. Bath bombs, tinctures, skincare, hand sanitizer, gummies. They've got everything. They're my favorite. It's who I use. So start using it for you too. I can't recommend these guys enough. They're homies and all this shit works. Jackson, say 20% off. 20% off. If you use the promo code about last night. If you use the promo code after night. About last night. About last night. Show them those guns again. Kiss them. Mm. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Did you always want to do uh, audience warm up? Because again, that's what I was, uh, you know, complimenting you on that muscle. I have, you know, I remember the when I was visiting uh, colleges in California and visiting, you, you know, USC where I ended up going. And once I got in there, one of the things I, when I was visiting, met somebody who got people tickets to TV shows, and I went to a taping of Friends yeah. um, in two thousand one, yeah. and it was so blown away because it was like my first time seeing like a show being made and just the sitcom yep. world and all the Warner brothers and all the, um, uh, you know, uh, sets on one big thing and just central park. Yeah. Oh, and just seeing the audience warm guy and I remember thinking he was really good. And I was, you know, hadn't really started stand up yet. I just, I'd done maybe like a few college parties and a few other things, but not enough to say I'd started because I hadn't committed in any way, shape or form, but seeing that, warm-up guy and being like that looks fun and then about 10 minutes in being like okay this is not easy and then two three four hours in i'm like holy yeah now he's kind of annoying and he's still trying to keep people entertained and and now you just feel bad for him then you have respect then you start to see him read the room and pull in and know when to jump in and uh and it's just such a it's just dude it's so but but you're still obviously accessing all your stand-up muscles but then there's another right. age you have to shift into that very few people can do. And, and being likable goes a long way. And this is what I, what I will say when I saw you do it uh, for the first time. And, you know, I feel like you were pretty seasoned at this point. I was like, and, and even seeing you on stage just host a comedy show, I go, oh, Gary's so goddamn likable. I, I, mean, I remember thinking this too, knowing you did warm up and this, I hadn't seen you do it uh, for a show yet, but harking back to my memory of that guy who started to get annoying, I go, I don't think Gary is capable of that because again, you're just, you know, you're, you have an uh, effortless way of um, just kind of bringing people to you and not ever, you know, having the energy be so it's like right at the, the good level to where you can take it in without being like, dude, yeah. enough already, right? And I, I don't know if that's something you learn or you've just always been that way. Well, I think I, the, the thing that I love doing is I love shitting on the audience. Yeah, and so good. making it be all about me. Like it's not, like at the end of the day, like Steve and I joke about this all the time. Like when I did Sullivan and Son, it was the only show that I've ever done and to this day had ever done where I would be doing warm up and shitting on the cast shitting on the show is that way more fun 
It's yeah. it's incredible because you're just and the audience loves, loves it. it. You're oh, just yeah. shitting on Steve, like you know, making fun of his acting, making fun of the script. This show's horrible. Is this show oh, ever going to see the light God. of day? And he loves that. And, right? In a minute, Steve loves it. And then what Thank would happen, God. which was yeah. so funny, one of the cast members, like a Med or or Owen or any of those guys, they'd come up and grab the microphone and try to get me, and the audience wouldn't have it because I had them on my side. They wouldn't if they would come up and try to shit on me. The audience would be like, "Screw you! We're already invested oh with this." Oh my guy. god! And and I've said this a million times. Sullivan and Son was the first sitcom that I did, and okay. it was brutal because so well, Steve got me the gig, and and I'd never done a sitcom, and those are much harder to get because unlike a game show, talk show, whatever it is, those shows are pretty quick. But a sitcom, as you know, lasts forever, and it, it just requires a different skill set. But Steve pushed for me to get that gig. And just almost like the Kilbourne show, that show took a long time to tape. So looking back at it, having to fill three, four, five hours was so great. Because then when you go on to a reg another show, that's like an oiled machine, like uh, whatever the show is, those shows only take a couple of hours. They're just in and out very quickly. Right. That's why when you said Friends used to take a long time to film. But some of the when I worked on Dr. Ken with Ken Jung, that show took like two, three hours. They, they just filmed most of it before the audience got there. They didn't want to be there. They, they didn't want to be there on tape night. They just knocked it out. They were ready to go. When so, did you, oh, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, just so, so when you're in that zone of like, oh my gosh, we're already halfway through the script and we've only been here an hour. Like this is, believe me, I've done shows before, Adam, and a lot of people don't realize this. A lot of these shows, sitcoms especially, have paid audience members to see fillers because they can't get a real crowd. Every show is not like Big Bang Theory. It's not like Friends. You have these shows that have been on half a season. Maybe they haven't even aired yet. They can't get an audience out there on a Wednesday in October. Ooh. So all of a sudden, you're, you, you look out, and there's people that you see all the time. They're from rehab groups. They're from churches. They're reading books in between scenes. They don't give two shits what's going on. They're not going to help you when the show starts rolling. They don't care. So you want to talk about you start working one of these shows and 10 minutes in, the show's bad. There's no laughs. Everything's going horribly downhill. The audience stinks. And you're up in the stands and you have the line producer pulling at your leg saying, these guys are terrible. It's like, yeah, I'm closer to them than you are. I know exactly how bad they oh, are. And, th and they think that there's a magic switch that you can turn on to get them amped up all of a sudden. It's just not happening. It's, you know, listen, if, if, if the Conan audience is bad one night, it's fine. We have another show the next day or the next day. But with these sitcoms, there's 22 episodes. If it's bad, it's never the writing. It's never the acting. It's never that because they think it's the greatest thing in the world. So do they look at you? They go, Gary, dude, fucking oh. you're, Gary, you're going to be the reason that Cheers doesn't fucking go another season. Is it that type of mentality? Oh, my God. It's, it's, it's them looking at you like, we know how great this is. We can't believe this audience is that bad. What are you going to do about it? Like, it's, Whoa, here, here's, it's the rule. here's the rule. When, when the audience is great, they're great. When the audience stinks, the warm-up stinks. That's always the way it's been. It's always, you know, listen, I, I will say this, and I, I've said this a bunch of times before. The only show that I ever worked on that I got yelled at for the audience being bad was Craig Ferguson. He was the only guy that ever pulled me backstage during the show and said, this audience stinks. And I'll never forget it. It shook me because uh, then you have to go back around the corner 
go back up to that audience and with a straight face and a smile, be like, Hey guys, you're doing great, but we're going to need more. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it just crushes your balls. You're just like, I can't believe that I just got. And, and by the way, I never mind if somebody comes up to me and is constructive, like, Hey man, what can we do? Is there something, you know, Jeff Dye will tell you, Jeff Dye uh, hosted a game show. Um, and I did warm up on it before I quit, before I got fired, but Whoa. they were just not nice people. They were not nice people. And I told Jeff that I said, Hey, I don't think they're going to have me back. I just, you know, got into it with the producer. Like, cause sometimes well, let's look be honest. Like, Jeff was, Jeff was probably saw you as a threat for stealing all of his uh, pussy. So he was like, <laughs> Dude, you need to Gary, you need to back off with the charm. Wait, no, what was the, what, why would you, who fired you again? So the only way I can see someone firing you is because they go, okay. Uh, it, you know, they, again, they're putting the problem on, on you. And so they need to get so rid here, of somebody. Here, here right? was the problem. Yeah. Right. So here was the problem. When you walk into a show and you hear that it's a disaster, because, because you get there at the very last minute, right before they start filming. And obviously they've been together as a production for the last few days, getting the show ready. Yeah. So you'll walk in and it'll be like, Oh, the director's a dick. The executive producer's a dick. So I started hearing that before the show started. Oh. So I remember we were filming the show up in Santa Clarita near Magic Mountain, and it was just all paid people, all paid. So not only not only paid one step above homeless people, but you got to remember, they got to get to Santa Clarita. So it's not like, you know, they can just take a bus internally in L.A. They got to get to Santa Clarita. So I just remember we did one show and they were decent for what they were. Okay. And then in between lunch and the second show the guy came up to me and he's like, these guys are horrible. And I was just like, well, it's the same audience we had, you know, 25 minutes ago. And he's like, yeah, they're really, really bad. And I was like, yeah, well, let's just be thankful that we got people up here from Santa Clarita, you know, and, and you know, and he's like, uh, and I was like, if you don't think that I, my line is always this, if you don't think that I'm a good fit for this show and somebody can do better, let's just part ways. No problem. Yeah. And be I honest with me. Yeah. I think they're shocked when you kind of give them that option because they don't, they don't think people are going to talk to them that way. They don't think people are going to be like, oh, nobody talks to the executive producer this way. Right. And I don't give a shit. I've <clears> been doing it long enough that I don't, I don't care anymore what people say or if they let me go because I don't want to work for that production anyway. Welcome to King Squaro Hotel. May I have your last name, please? Good morning, ma'am. Can I help you? Oh, my, what happened? Oh, Bellmen are clumsy and stupid. Still a Bellman. You've had this job since high school, right? Well, actually, now I am the bell captain. Oh, all right, kid. You ready for check-ins? I was born. I think he was going to say I was born ready. Steve's the captain. Captain mm -hmm. Steve. <laughs> the closest thing we have to a god on Earth. Gunther Gashamane! It's worse than I thought. He's a complete slimeball, right? Oh, yeah, no question. Do you feel my foot on your foot? That's not me. There's something under the table that feels like a foot. What are you doing right now? I'm working. I got a promotion. I just lied to Kelly. Why would you do that? I don't know, man. I just want another shot. Sid Whitman worked his way up the ladder and bought the hotel. Mr. Boss! Do me a favor. Take it easy on the bellman, would you? I'd rather have crack guard melt my balls. Take care, boys. I mean, it's a huge scam. And those girls are in on it, too. Don't you want to know what our bodies are capable of? Girl, yes, yes. So I just work here during the day, but I'm, my nights is off. Let's do this! Gunther is conning everyone with spirit fresh. <laughs> You broke into a guest room. This is unacceptable. He has been impersonating a manager, and that is a felony. I don't think that's a felony. He should be fired. Get set. Go. 
more Bunch of really real G's burning trees Till we low Sitting by 45 Like I'm Jordan on the floor Here we go Guess the brain is what they say my name for I mean, I'm not sure he's ready but Shut up, bitch <laughs> With our minds We begin to urinate And then For real Into our pants I'm unforgettable Has there been a um, uh, somebody who's maybe heckled you? So, so you do currently the uh, warm up for Conan. Uh, and yeah. You're so fucking good. And Conan, it made me so happy too when you got that gig because I go, Conan's my fave of all time, and oh. uh, and I was like, oh, of course he loves Gary. You know, like of course that, you know, that just seems like such a match made comedy wise. Like what you do with the audience, the likability, the self deprecated separate deprecation uh uh and um you know the likable snarkiness you know that conan kind of embodies yeah. that you kind of do too even when i was there with my girlfriend and her folks you kind of shit on me which was great in front of them and which i i was nervously <laughs> anticipating but i was like he has to do it if he sees me uh <laughs> and, and because it's not his it would be wrong if he coddled me or was like great stand-up comic in the crowd and tried to like impress me in front of my girl's folks. But instead you said <laughs> well, something about never, my- I would never, I would no. never say great stand-up comic. I'm not gonna lie to people, but- Oh, what? you fucking <laughs> bitch. You know what? Bring in the what? cleaning crew. I'm gonna swap you out for the, the front desk clerk here at the Salem Holiday Who warms up Ellen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, there's uh, well, it was it was so great that you did that and we're just so dialed in. But um, how, I will say that's why I love Conan because I can swear, I can make fun of people, I can dick around and do what I want to do and it's the perfect fit. I could never do Ellen or some of these other shows that just aren't a fit for what I do. I mean, it would have why? to be so... Yeah, because like... Conan Ellen, lets you do what you want to do? Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, the, you know, the first words out of my mouth are like, fuck it, or I start swearing. Um, you know, they allow me to do exactly what I want to do. And listen, I mean, that's what makes the show or that's what makes the show for me that much more fun because I can let my guard down. I can do whatever I want to do. Dr. Ken, that was another great show because he let me do what I wanted to do. He goofed around with me. Same with Steve. But when you work on these shows that are a little more sterile, you can't do what you want to do. You get like, like, for example, I work on The Bachelor occasionally where oh, they have really? a live show. Whoa. Yeah, they do. Men tell all, women tell all. Great show. But I can never go in there and start fucking around making fun of it because that's not so what much. they want. And it's not the they brand. They love it so much. It's not the brand. But again, they're so good to me that I would never go in there and just do that. That is Well, that's one being of a professional. Yeah, you, you recognize. Hey. And also, you have the ability to still be funny and do your job. There's probably so yeah. So again, there is levels to the warm up. It's like you can have a gig that says just do what we want, what you do, and then Conan, where it's like do what you do, and then some be full on Gary Cannon, right? You're probably now, now listen levels. There there are times when you, and I've seen this so many times, especially at a sitcom where you walk into a sitcom and it's I, I'll never forget this. I recently do you remember they just rebooted mad about you did yeah. you see that okay they rebooted it like the spectrum network yes, or some shit. For, yeah. for 10 episodes so they call me and they're they're using me and two other people to do warm-up on that show this oh, was great. last year 
So the guy says, we want you to do the very first one. And I was like, eh, you know, I got to be honest with you. You know, the first one's going to be brutal. It's going to be first show out of the gate. You know, people are just going to be, you know, a little rusty, all this other stuff. He's like, believe me, it's going to be all rabid fans that first night. He's like, it'll be a cakewalk for you. Wait, please tell me. He goes, trust me, Gary, they're going to be mad. <laughs> <laughs> so get this. This is great. So what happens is, what happens is, um, I get to the show. All of a sudden, people are coming in. Young kids, backwards baseball hats. Whoa. Shorts, flip-flops. Not the demo. Nope, not the demo. So I was like, hey, what's going on? What's happening? Where are you guys from? They're like, oh, we're from the baseball team at Orange Community College. And I was like, oh, <laughs> these guys seem very young. And Big Helen like, Hunt fans. <laughs> are you guys? I said, are you guys fans about Mad About You? They're like, what's that? They had oh, no. no. The, the baseball coach just brought him in and just made it. It's just like, hey, we need money for new uniforms. So we're going to go up to Hollywood on Friday and sit there like dopes and just pretend. Now, the problem is sometimes those groups are great. They yeah. get it. They'll, they'll, they'll be great for you. But sometimes the minute you walk in, you'll be like, uh, you'll be like, who's ready for the show? And you'll hear one just dick be like, Ugh, and you're like, okay. That's the guy I got to single out. That's oh, the guy. Okay. Yes. That's the guy that I got to give a $5 Starbucks gift card to because if I don't change his attitude right now, he's going to be shitty the rest of the day. Oh, so I, I okay. I was to, thinking the opposite where you're like, I'm going to fuck with this guy hard and make nope, his life hell. Nope. I will. I no, because it's a, here's the problem. The problem is he's with 30 of his buddies, right? So he wants to be the big shot, right? So he's, he's going to be a dick unless you, and that's what you kind of learn doing it enough times. You have to learn how to just, you know, disengage, like because, or he's going to be trouble the whole night. The problem is you can't really kick people out because the show needs them there. If you kick out one guy, the whole group's got to go. Oh, and then, man. And then you're going to see him at another show because these they, they travel in packs. <laughs> He's going to follow so, you around every TV taping, just haunting your dreams. So they're going to be all over the place. So you just have to learn as much as you want to take them out to the parking lot. And be like, listen, asshole. I know that you're here to buy a sandwich at Arco later tonight. This is <laughs> this is where we have to go. And it just it, it baffles me that that's what people do. It baffles me that that's their existence. I, Adam, I'll never forget one time I was working at Carson Daly. And a woman said to me, this was my fourth season working there. She stood up and she says, this last, call? To, last call. She said, I've been coming to this show for four years and you've never given me a t-shirt. And I was like, <laughs> lady, I mean, that speaks to you. Like you've been coming here for four years. Yeah. Like, change your attitude. I, I get paid to come here for four years and there's days it's questionable. You know what I mean? You're just like, <laughs> I'm, I'm shocked that that was, but, but that was the attitude. Wow. Yeah. Wait, so, okay. So Kilborn Conan last call go through the ones that you solved i went i went from from kilborn to craig ferguson and then from ferguson i went to carson daly then from there i was just doing a bunch of odd stuff and then sullivan and son then i did some other i did men at work with uh, danny masterson yeah. uh one of those shows, just some like one-off sitcoms and then uh, dr ken and then i remember five years ago which was two, 2015 i did um I had no work going on that year, just nothing. And that was when I went in to do a few shows for Jimmy Pardo because he couldn't do them at Conan. He was filming a show that he was hosting. So he was on camera for like a sci-fi show. 
So I went in there just literally thinking, hey, this is going to be a great one-off. I'm excited. I've never worked at Conan before. I'm a huge fan. And it literally turned out that, you know, going in as a side gig and just filling in for Jimmy turned out to be a full-time gig. Wow, dude. Yeah, yeah. Did you have so to I, meet with Conan? Did you have to go into his office and do an interview? I, I, I did meet with Conan. And t well, no, I did meet with Conan the day Jimmy did it. He introduced me to Conan. And then the, the great thing that I had was before every show, Jimmy would talk to Conan about how the audience was, good, bad, or indifferent. So if the audience was good, he'd go tell him. Uh, bad, he would tell him. But once I started, they never had me do that, which was great because I always figure you go in there and you say, hey, they're good. And then he goes out there and they're not yeah, good. Yeah, why would you do that? That seems like actually awful. Uh, like uh, now you're, 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 and this is why sometimes I don't like to even watch a lot before I go on stage uh, at, at a show because I don't want to have preconceived notions or decide what I think about a crowd before I even go up there and have it affect anything that I'm going to do. Look, you know, you hope that you're pro enough to be consistent, but like, right. I don't care who you are, man. If you, if you have an idea of something before you get up there, it's going to affect something in you. So if you're telling him that, yeah, like you said, if he thinks it's great and then they're not laughing at his first few jokes, he's like, fucking Gary. Like, yeah. you know, was he trying to, well, yeah. I just, re I remember when I worked at Kilborn. Kilborn would come out before the show and he would drop a punchline. That's all he would do. He would say, uh, let me see how you guys are today. And you drop a punchline. The punchline would be his pants fit like a glove, right? <laughs> and if they laughed, he'd be like, they're great. And if they didn't laugh, he'd be like, they need a little bit more. Now, you're going to base the whole show on yeah. this four-line punchline that you're throwing out no. there. This is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not like, fair. And what, here's what I loved about Dr. Ken, which was the greatest thing ever. I would, and this never, ever happens. I would do warm-up at Conan, leave Conan, head out from Burbank to Sony to do Dr. Ken on Tuesday nights. Ken would start the warm-up for me. And then the minute I pulled in, they would grab my car and valet it. And then I would just jump in. It was like the greatest gig wow. ever to do like these two back-to-back -back shows. Yeah. And that was such an amazing gig because he was so nice <clears throat> and just, you know, took great care of everybody. And it was, it, it was a game changer. I mean, I wish that show was still on the air. Do you truly, truly love doing the warm-up or are there days where you have to really psych yourself up like and and if and two-part question and if you have uh, uh sets at like the uh the store the uh, improv lap factor whatever that night will you not do a warm-up show that day because it's too much or do you like to do shows be uh that night because it's like a reward for doing something that's a little more of a challenge audience-wise and maybe on the stage you feel like you you can you know be more yourself I think it's such a, like, listen, doing Conan, it's such a great muscle to do it. You know what I mean? Like, you just, like, I'll never forget, years and years ago, I did warm up on a a, a daytime show. It was the Emerald Lagasse daytime show. Oh, my cook, God. A cooking show. And we did, like, 13 shows in 10 days. And I got to tell you, it was a time when I was working at Gotham. And I really never worked at Gotham all that much. I worked a little bit, but not that much. And I used to be so nervous to go into Gotham. And I remember one day we did like two or three shows of Emerald. And then I went to Gotham and I remember thinking, holy shit, this is nothing. Like, like the warm up was such a big muscle for me to work and just get through it that I could sit in front of an audience for that long. And then to go into an audience at Gotham, you just felt more comfortable doing it. It didn't even right. matter at that right. point. So I love it. I love when, when I get to do 
you know, if I can do Conan, because I figure, you know, even though it's kind of the same routine, but if I can go and do a set at the improv later that night, it's always nice for me. But I never, uh, I, I, I'll, I'll do as many as possible. I, I really like doing both. Do you, have a lot of, do you have a lot of go-to things for a Conan show? Like how many things, you know, I, I know you're always keeping it fresh, probably always looking for things to add into the arsenal. But, you know, after a while, you're probably like, all right, I'm only up here for 15. I want it to right. all be great. So every, I'm going to get different people, which is adding to the freshness of it. Yeah. But there's a certain type of person because they're all – how I'd say there's a small percentage of people that when you talk to them are really jacked up and are either trying to be funny or want the interaction. So if they're shy, it's kind of easy pickings and you have a, a, a a myriad of things you can say it at probably a similar type of person, right? Well, there's, listen, there, there are those times where as soon as you start walking through the crowd, you're like, well, this guy, this guy, you know, because at the end I do a dance contest with like yes. 12 audience members. Always it crushes, really, by the way, right? It really, it really buttons it. What I won't do anymore is I won't listen to people who work on the show who say, hey, pick my next door neighbor because it's the kiss of death. I mean, because I've done that so many times where they're like, hey, you see that girl sitting up there? She'll be great for the dance Hey, contest. see the one with the headgear and the missing leg? Yeah. <laughs> she's my uncle's girlfriend. Will you? tell her she's a stupid bitch yeah is there is there it doesn't uh, work has somebody tried to fight back and like gotten the best of you or made yeah. it to where you're like all right i need to keep this show light and fun but this person's such an asshole that i uh there are times where people will say no, like very quickly people will say no they won't do it or they've been to a taping before and they know what's going on so they won't do it i won't even make it an issue i will quickly say something and then keep moving. I, yeah. I, I don't even want people to know what's going on because yeah. it'll just crush the mood. So, yeah. but, but, but I've had that before where, you know, you get people, especially at sitcoms, you get people down and, you know, the, the, the funniest ones are like these groups. Like if you bring a baseball team, the coach can usually be pretty funny. You bring the coach down. They love it just because they're seeing somebody that's, you know, on a pedestal to them, yeah. just start dicking around and dancing and it's funny. But, you know, listen, when they won't do it, there's nothing worse. There's just, you know, and sometimes you get that diamond in the rough where you're like, oh, this could go either way. And you get them and you're like, holy shit, that was funny. <laughs> yeah. Whatever they did, they'll just grab the microphone or do whatever. And you're like, so many times you, that, by the way, there's times where somebody's so good dancing or singing, I'll be in the back just letting the song play. And I'll be checking my email and do whatever. I was like, I don't need to be involved right now. Like just, right. you know, as long as there's commotion in the audience and the producers on the floor see people are having a good time, they don't care if it's coming from me or somebody else. They yeah. don't give two shits. No. What do they care? Uh, you and I spent with uh, Steve Byrne a fucking night I'll never forget in Vegas where uh, I think it was – I don't know what you guys were doing out there, um, what show it was. I was at the, fa the Laugh Factory at the Trop, and you guys – Yes. I think did a big show at, at Steve's friend's bar, right? Yes. Yes, yeah. The, it, yeah, at the, the, the at downtown. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and then Steve was like, "Come to this place, meet us here after." And then yep. Kate Quigley was there and was like, you know, tied into the strip club world. So she had a fucking giant van come pick us up, and then we like drove on a party bus somewhere, and then we went to another bar, and like, I mean, it was my first time really throwing back some cocktails with you and Steve, quite <laughs> honestly. And man, we were we were all living our best lives. Uh, it like was, we were listen, backstage I, at a Goo Goo Dolls concert. It was I've awesome. said this. I've said this about Steve many times. Doing the road with him, he can either like just light it up in like you know times where he just wants to go nuts, 
and he's so much fun to be with. And other times he just like, I just got to get back to the room. It's quick. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Listen, one of my, fa- one of my favorite memories of, of Steve working the road, we did the Atlanta punchline or some club. And he said he wasn't drinking that night. Wasn't drinking. He got so shit wasted that the next day, which would have been Saturday, he woke up, packed his bags, headed to the airport before he realized it wasn't Monday. Like he thought it was Monday. He thought he was flying home and he packed his shit up. <laughs> like, like, like he literally was, was ready to go. You know what I mean? My wife is giving me my charger. There she I... goes. Oh, the other All one, right. the, the one that's longer. The one that's on the, oh, the boy. table. I smell yeah. a divorce. <laughs> <laughs> so I, cause you know, like Steve will be that guy who's just yeah. like all Life in for the all party. Time. He has a and, way of getting you to do uh, things. <laughs> this is going to sound bad that you don't want to do, but it's really just he finds the um, he, he helps you find another gear. And he also has like a I remember he made this face when I was about to leave the bar. And then when he goes like when he was like, he goes, oh, he goes, OK, OK, no, it's, it's fine. It's fine. He goes, <laughs> he goes, OK, like just very like matter of fact. And I was like. I go, well, fuck, man. I mean, like, I don't know. Like, what time is it? He's like, no, he's like, he's like, it's early. It's early. He's like, but dude, go, go do your thing. Like, like acting very supportive, but you know, he doesn't want you to go. He's also judging you. And then you're like, well, I don't know. I guess I could have one more. He's like, dude, just have a, yeah, hang. He's like, one more shot. He goes, I'm probably gonna have one more shot and then leave. So he says shit like that where I'm like, oh, okay. Well then, yeah. So we go over, we have another shot. Next thing you know, that one shot <laughs> just enough to take me up a notch to where I'm now like, I'm going to go get one more shot. And then maybe we go. He's like, yeah, maybe. And I'm like, yeah, maybe. And then, yeah, maybe just becomes the theme of the night. And uh, well, and he he does it like he won't let you. I mean, I remember a time in Vegas where I wouldn't. I I I just didn't want to come out. I was just burnt out from the night before. Oh yeah. And I was in my room, and he just won't take no. He will not take. Yeah. He, he doesn't give a shit. He's ready <laughs> to go. And I will tell you, if I were a single dude, hanging out with Steve would be a blast because oh, he is definitely a great wingman yeah. for so many single comics that he's just so good at doing that. You know what, what I mean? What did you learn on the road with him uh, comedy-wise? You know what I'm saying? Like, and do you try to watch a lot of comedy, like, on the road or not? Like, people's specials? Like, I'm always curious, like, how it's on much... my end table. What do you want? The, the phone cord. It's on the end table next to the bed. It's that big, long charger. Yeah. How much, uh, how much comedy are you trying to soak up? Because, uh, you know, some people are just like, I don't want to watch that. I don't want to get influenced. But, like, friend specials, we watch the whole thing. When you're on the road with Steve, will you watch his whole set and try to learn? Because he's also a great crowd work guy. Well, you know what's so funny? And, and dude, I didn't know you were, like, oh, a thanks. big crowd work guy. Yeah. No, I didn't say it was good. I just I, – I didn't know you did it. <laughs> <laughs> I just said – Oh, I just said my God. No, because I told you, if you plug it in there, I just, the funny thing was one of the first times I saw you do crowd work was you were with Avery yeah. and you were in Phoenix and it was such a funny moment. I don't know if you remember this, but you, you were making fun of a guy oh, no. and, and, and the, uh, the joke was something like, uh, you won't remember this because it's so long ago. He started shouting something, and you're like, "When you're fucked up in public." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that song? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Where I don't was remember that? what it was. was. That the Tempe Improv Tempe. or Stand Up Live? Yeah. Tempe. Wow. Yes. Do you remember that? Uh, I mean, dude, there's a, you know, that sounds like such a classic hit that I, how could I forget? But uh, 
I just remember you were totally like you and Avery were just on and it we're was in crazy. sync. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's really funny. I mean, way, I was going to ask you just because we're, we're talking about this back and forth. The Because the th I texted you the minute I saw this. Yeah. When you did that Skype voice lesson. Oh, like, yeah. That was. Do you find those videos, whether you like, because that's what I love when you do. Like you go on stage as that the large lady or like Dr. Phil or whatever. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. do you like, like, what does that do for you that just regular stand up doesn't do? Like, what, what does that do for your comedy? Oh, man, that's a great question. Uh. You know, stand-up, you can't replace the the live fix that you get from that and the feeling of just being present with a room full of strangers and, and, and expecting laughs, getting them, not getting them, doing something that in the moment that for everyone that is, which is why I love crowd work, that is for everybody only happening in that moment is just like, I don't see how you replace that feeling or... or uh, you know, just whether it's good or bad. Um, but look, I've always liked to, I mean, you know, I was an actor first, I guess, if you have to, you know, break it down, but, um, and then now they're just kind of synonymous, but doing a lot of videos before I really did stand up, a lot of sketch stuff. And, and, and I've always, always fascinated by the video stuff. It's, it's you know, I did, uh, my buddy and I took over the high school news program uh, at our high school and just basically, it was seniors that basically did like a, here's somebody reading the news behind a desk, then we're going to cut to somebody on the football field that'll be like, hey, there's a game tomorrow against Kamiak. Don't be late, you know, and, and then somebody would do the weather and it was all very seniors that weren't funny and it was just kind of really, <laughs> you know, hacky and, and, and so my buddy and I took it over and basically it was five minutes that would air every Friday morning before so we'd be in class. They would air it on all the TVs for five minutes. We took it over our sophomore years. And by our senior years, it was 15 minutes. And it was like a sketch show. And some teachers wouldn't even air it because they're like, it's 15 fucking minutes of class, like to open the day. And it was just like this sketch show. And we, so that really got me just, and look, I grew up watching the state and living color and all that. So it was such a, to be able to make things like that and do characters was always something that I was just uh, obsessed with. And so when YouTube hit, I tried to do a lot of that stuff. And, and then that Sky Voice Lessons thing, I, again, I just saw that video of that girl by itself. And <laughs> there was enough to where I was like, oh, it, who is she talking to when she would scream and then start talking? And I was like, who is she talking to? And then I was just like, the same way when you're trying to write stand-up, you're asking questions and then to try to keep peeling more and, and milk more content from a bit. I would just be like, all right, well, maybe I'm the guy she could do it. So then I had to watch it a bunch and, and videotape myself trying to time it out and then send it to a buddy <laughs> who kind of chopped it up. But um, Well, even one of my favorites too, and I still watch, I still, cause I still really think it's funny was the, uh, the X Factor audition. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah He's yeah, like, yeah. I know this guy. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And when I say it, it was Britney Spears. Yeah. She's yeah. Well, that was again too, of like watching all this footage of that stuff and then trying to get good responses and then compiling it and then writing stuff. Yeah, what did Brittany say? She's like, she's like, oh, I know this guy. And I'm like, yeah, uh, remember I- The I, beanbag chair? I dry humped you on a beanbag in Scottsdale or something. Yeah. And then you said you were sober for like a day and you got fired from Applebee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. just, you know, and you start doing the dance. It's like, so like those videos, it's like, they're just timeless. They're really, you know, but you, you did it because so many comics, they don't put in that work of doing like their own YouTube channel and putting out content like that when it's so important now right. to showcase what you can do. I mean, that's yeah. why, you know, you have these spots at the comedy store, these other great venues like Laugh Factory. It's like, 
the fact that you're using them to try something new and creative rather than go up there and be like, oh, hey, I'm just going to do stuff that I know works, whatever. But like just to yeah, like, I, I, be yeah, fun and I, do what you want to do. Yeah, I mean, I think the stage, you know, you know this better than anybody. It's like it's for to be entertaining and be funny. And it's like, I, I don't know. I just feel like I, I don't. Uh, you know, and there's that whole, you use everything that you have. Uh, and when I started doing even the music stuff, it was like, all right, well, I have this kind of musical theater background and the musical improv stuff. So finding a way to like utilize that, but, but feeling comfortable enough to do it and not be judged. Cause look, I did the music thing one night at the comedy store and Rogan was in the back. And this is just when I'd kind of start to get kind of chummy with him and, you know, know my name and we start to chat and he'd stop and always say, what up? And, and I saw him in the back see me, and then he kind of got up and walked out right when I was walking to the back. And and he had said something to Eric Griffin and then walked out. And I go, Eric, I go, was he saying something about me singing? And Eric goes, I mean, what do you want me to say? You know, and I was like, God damn it. <laughs> and so I, I got real butthurt about it. But then I was like, no, oh, fuck it, man. Like, this is, you know, I, I, when I do it, it's, it's I know that I'm one of the few people that, that do that. And so that's what I dig about it. And it's, you know, man, again, it's just like finding the shit that you like to do that is, you know hopefully uh unique to to what you can offer up and and then be funny like there's you know and it's all fucking subjective so it's like when people yeah, of course like something or don't like something it's like a lot of times i feel like it's because they you know there's probably people that uh that um you know see you crush you know uh uh hecklers and whatnot and and the way you do it and they're like oh like you know you know Oh, look at him just doing that in his set. And it's like, Oh, are you doing are you? Are you deflecting because you don't have the ability to do that? I think that's what that is. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you, what do you enjoy more like writing and, and, and getting good, uh, like a, a, a solid, like, you know, uh, fully crafted set together or completely going off the cuff and trying to just. Yeah. I mean, I gotta be honest with you. And it's what Steve and so many other comics make fun of me about that. I don't have a lot of material. It's all just kind of garbled, you know, crowd work stuff. And it, I'll never forget the one time, not one time, but like years and years ago, I was back in Michigan the one time in my killed? hometown. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> no, no, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Lay down if you want to. I was, I was back in Michigan and I was doing a, a comedy club over Christmas yeah. called Mark Ridley's. Have you done that room? Oh yeah. It's great. So I never really headlined. I just didn't have the time. And I remember calling the club and I just said, Hey, listen, I'm there this weekend. Uh, I just want you to know I'm one of these headliners. That's all about cultivating local talent. So let's get as many guest sets running through the club as possible this weekend. And that was just my conversation that I didn't have enough time. I mean, I was just like, I was doing yeah. this you know, bullshit line. And the woman said, Oh, we don't do guest sets. And I was like, shit. <laughs> so now it's time to bust out the, uh, the dance contest or whatever. It was, I just knew, yeah. I knew I didn't have the time. I just didn't have it. You know what I mean? So, you wow. know, now you're forced to kind of do that whole thing. And like, you know, it's, it's, but it does, it works. You know, I started working on cruise ships last year and uh, I just, I couldn't deal with it because it was just too, too much nonsense of like having to do too many shows and repeat and like you, you could never make everybody happy you just couldn't do it you know what I mean it was like it, it, people were never oh you repeated a joke from six days ago it was like you know well of course I did you know what I mean who cares but they th that's that's how people looked at it have you done those before cruise ships well I opened for the new kids on the block that's right nice. that was I mean I guess but that's not a full 
residency on a cruise ship. That was just like a couple of shows. Um, so I don't know what that life's like. And I, I, I am kind of curious, but I don't know. I, I'm also I, three days on a boat is long enough for me. So yeah, it is weird because Boy. I did it. But we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead. We'll go ahead and edit in my uh, my new kids on the block cruise commentary that was dr- wait, drowned out by your dogs. <laughs> how did you hook up with those guys? Because that's such a great story of like a, a cool like celebrity. Uh, yeah, I wrote I wrote a lot of fan uh, mail disguised as my sister, and I put a little. Uh, I signed it in blood, and uh, and they're real. They're real big on um, you know just dedicated fans they used to always say like you know we don't we can't tell if you're a real fan unless you like give us give us what's inside of you so it was i signed my name in blood and put a little thing of uh semen in a no i met joey mcintyre <laughs> on a uh on a, on a movie like, on, the, on the heat and then uh we became oh. buds and then um and he was in and are you McCarthy's. With all of them now uh, I mean, I've, you know, the cruises and, and I've gone to a bunch of shows. So like, they all know me and, and dig me. And yeah, I mean, I, I'd say chummy with all of them now, but, um, but Joey, you know, I did a show for pop that Joey uh, created uh, called return of the Mac where I played his manager. We just did one season. But, so, and Donnie Wahlberg produced that and kind of had to sign off on me. So, um, but yeah, they, I mean, from being, you know, when we were on the cruise, we all kicked it a lot. So they all, um, you know, know me well, but was uh, that the Joker's cruise? No, it was the New Kids on the Block cruise. Oh, they have their own cruise. Yeah, so that's what I went on. I was supposed so to go that- on the Joker's cruise last year, and then I, uh, I, I had to bail. But, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, doing a whole, I mean, what you know, you tell me, is it just? Yeah, it's it's hard. It, 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 you have to have the patience for it. Yeah. There were times where I loved it, times I hated it. You know what I mean? It was just like it was that brutal in a sense of like loving it or hating it. I mean, I did enjoy it more than I thought, but then part of it was like, cause I was hosting these shows and then I was doing like 12, 13 shows a week. And I was like, this just seems like too many shows for what was it? $1,500. And I know yeah. for some people that felt like a lot of money, but you know, I just didn't think it was that much to just be on the ship as long as I was. I was just, I was ready to be done with it. And then, listen, how many times can you go to Cozumel? It's like, I've seen that enough and you know, there's just yeah. no, no reason for it. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, it d- doesn't matter. Thank you. Is there somewhere you wanna, have you performed overseas? Yeah, I did that. Wow, I d- well, I did a USO tour with Burn. I wow. went, we went to South Korea, which was great. Wow. Do you remember Scott Kennedy? Yeah. I did um, Iraq with Scott, which was fucking fantastic. I mean, you know, those are the, to me, those are the memories. Those are, you know, the South Korea trip, uh, you know, uh, those kind of things. You've done all that, right? Oh, yeah. Just some USO uh, troops. I, Adam Devine and I did all the, um, uh, a big uh, tour in Japan, at like 10 different bases. What sort of crowd work? How do, is it different over there when you're doing uh, doing it with the troops or? Yeah, a little bit. But you know what's crazy is it's I'll never forget. Steve and I were doing a show. We were doing a show in some bar at a base in South Korea, and we're, we're performing. And Steve, we're, we're on stage doing something at the end. And Steve says, "Hey, guys, we want to buy you guys a round of drinks for just doing what you do and being so nice." And literally, we're not even done yet. People start getting up to go to the back to grab the drinks from the back bar. And it was so funny, Adam, how quickly it turned from like, 
hey guys, we really love what you guys do and, and helping us and supporting us and all this stuff. And Steve and I are like, hey, fuck you guys. Where are you guys going? This is rude, you motherfucker. Like, it was so <laughs> funny how we turned on those people like as quickly as yeah, we did. Like, yeah. that was such a blast. I mean, but the USO, if you do the USO tours, those guys treat you so nice. I mean, oh, as yeah. compared to some of these other like, you know, uh, people that do their own little, you know, put together tours. Like, you know, I know some guys do it. Like, I, I always heard like, there was a guy, Barry Neal, who did it. And oh, like, yeah. you, you could be like on the road in like South Korea. And let's say you didn't have a show. You did a show Monday and then one Wednesday. Like you'd have to find your own room on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, You're yeah. like, yeah. dude, what do you, really? You know what I mean? <laughs> Give me a break. Yeah. It's so funny. Why would you, you know, but yeah, those are the best. I mean, those are the, those are the kind of things that I'll always remember. And even if my career plateaus here, like I, th those are the kind of things that nobody else gets to do. You know right. what I mean? Did you ever take um, like a warm up class or did you, I don't know, with guys like Brody, did you guys ever mix it up and chat about gigs and things that worked and didn't work or? <laughs> yeah, we used to, you know, it was great, you know, uh, back in the day and I wish we would do it more, but we would get together, you know, a crew of the worms. So you gotta remember, probably only 10 guys that do warm up in LA. I mean, there's very few. So we'd get together, you know, some guys in the business who do warm up are very nice, very supportive. We'll throw your name out there. Other guys forget it. They're in their own little cocoon. They're not going to throw you anything. If somebody calls and offers them work, they're just going to say that they can't do it and move on. Um, but Brody, when I, I remember seeing Brody at the best damn sports show, and he would tell people, would literally tell people, if you guys don't start laughing, I'm going to start kicking people out. And I was like, <laughs> that's ballsy in an audience of 40 people. Like, how many people are you willing to lose here? Oh. Like, he's like, if you guys don't start picking it up, I'm kicking people out right now. It's like, <laughs> oh, my God. Like, he didn't care. And, dude, I remember one time we, we, I was watching Best Damn Sports Show. And, some like, they were going outside to do something, all the, the hosts. And he's like, this doesn't seem like a good use of time. And I was like, who, who says that? Like, I'm like, what? <laughs> he's like, this is, and then, and then they filmed it. And he's like, this wasn't a good payoff. And I was just like, I would never. You I mean, didn't think through the bit. <laughs> <laughs> like he didn't. And, and again, he, like the minute the celebrity would leave the sports figure, he'd be up there getting pictures with them. It was oh, yeah crazy yeah. like he just no you know he just didn't care and him and I worked on a show together he did it one day and I did it another day I think it was a show like Ryan Stout was hosting or something like that it was uh for the e-channel oh no no I remember it was um not uh, Michael Costa he was hosting a show for the e-channel and the guy I'll never forget the stage manager just got into it and I was making fun of him or goofing around the guy said uh five minutes to go and I was like I don't even know what that means and the, the stage manager looked at me and said, do not do that again. And I was like, okay. So then the production manager pulled me out and said, hey, do us a favor. Don't engage with Larry anymore. And I said, I got to be honest with you. If Michael wasn't hosting the show and I wasn't doing this as a favor to Michael, I would leave right now. I said, nobody's going to talk to me like I'm a third grader. You know what I mean? Like, wow. it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. <clears throat> I know. You know? I, I Good for you, dude. That's people... I mean, look, every business is filled with people that just get on ego trips and think they, you know, in an elevated, uh, you know, uh, wherever you, you fall in that the, sure. their job is more important because of pay or whatever that they can kind of, you're below them. And, and it's like, dude, I mean, 
fuck off. So good for you to it's, eat. And, but, but again, the thing is, I never mind if there's an issue. Never. Yeah. But just treat Constructive me. feedback, too. Yeah. There's a way to deliver any sort of news or critique or, or feedback or, or like, hey, like pulling aside, not doing it in front of people. Tone and like tact. Those are Do you, you know, remember such a old show? school ways of, of doing things. What's that, what show? You remember a show years ago with Jerry Springer? It was called Baggage. It was the dating oh, show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So years and years ago. this you was, told me you I, warmed that up. I did. The, the, oh, maybe my 10 God. years ago. This was a long time ago. No money. I needed that gig. And it paid. Um, I, it, it, the pay was very little. It was The pay was brutal. It paid and in I just, it, it was <laughs> Yeah, exactly. The pay was nothing. And I just remember going in there. And the minute you walk in, you just see the derelicts, the paid audience members. And I just remember going in and uh, the money was so bad. And it was just taking forever to tape it. Just take, we were taping like three shows in a day and it was taking forever. So one of the segment producers, the game show contestant producer came up to me and he said, gotta be honest with you, this audience stinks. And I was like, yeah, I know that they do. I said, the problem is the money also stinks. And uh, I, I'll never forget this. I was pretty new in the business. I was surprised I was this ballsy. And I said, I said, here's the problem. I said, we both know that this money's really bad. I said, so we have a couple of options that we can do here. We can either A, triple the money for the day, and you can come ear beat me for the rest of the afternoon. B, you keep the money the same, and I don't see you the rest of the day. Or C, we just handshake, and we end the day, and nobody's uh, pissed at each other. And he's like, let me get back to you. Let me think about that. And he comes back to me in 20 minutes, and he's like, we're going to call it a day. And that was it. That was the end of the day. Yeah. Oh my God. It was, and I just felt good. I felt good to be like, I value what it is that I do. And you're not going to treat me like a three-year-old. Just not going to do it. Oh and it was my like, God, there dude. was, there was another show that I, I did. And this woman comes over to me and she says, uh, this audience stinks. And I said, well, I've been doing the show now for like three hours. Why is this the first you're telling me? And she's like, well, I'm telling you now. And then she's like, whose music is this? And I was like, it's yours. And she's like, this music stinks. And I was like, Wait, is it the audience or the music? I'm a little confused. Yeah. And she's like, we need this to be like an Ellen audience. And I was like, oh, there's a, the only problem is that this is an Ellen. I said, there's no giveaways. There's no nothing. And the woman like walked away and I like courtesy laughed her. She walked away. And I'll never forget. I went right to the guy that hired me and I said, I don't know who that was. I said, but I will tell you this. If somebody comes up to me one more time between now and the end of the day, I'm leaving. He goes, and, that was Ellen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, and, and they don't know how to react to it. They're just confused. They're just like, they're, they're, they're shocked that you're just that demonstrative towards them. They just, because like, I don't think people talk to them that way. Right. So they're shocked that you would just throw it back to them. Why would yeah. you, again, if you came up to me and just said, hey, listen, we're having a slight issue. What can we do to help you? But don't give yeah. me that bullshit. You know what I mean? No. Uh. Yeah, how do you think the Oprah tapings were back in the day? Who do you think warmed those shows up? And do you know, and do you think they even, I almost feel like it's like, that's an easy job. People are so yeah. hyped up for those shows. You literally can walk out and just be like, where are you from? Texas? Ooh, that's a big old state. Where are you from? California? Ooh, the Sunshine City, baby. Hey, who likes money? Put your hand up if you like money. Put your hand down if you want money. Oh, what? Oh, who likes food? Who, who would suck a dick? Who wants it? You know, and just like, and just well, get, 
oozing, oozing oz and hands and just movement. Right? I can tell you, I don't think she had a warm up. I don't think she had a warm up. I don't think Dr. Phil has a warm up. I think those shows, either a producer will just come out very quickly and do it. It, it always baffles me that these shows, I don't know if you watch these, but I, I do, and they're a guilty pleasure. You ever watch like, Wendy like Williams? a Steve, a Steve Wilkos or like a, a more, well, not, maybe not so much more, but like Steve Wilkos. He literally has on like Wilkos did, is a, a nut job. Oh my god! I mean, he literally will have on these people. Did you rape and kill my baby? Like that's that's. And so I know that there's a warm up guy for that show doing a dance contest before the show. Like you're what? like, this is insane, insane that you would then transition from that to this. But I'll never forget years ago. Years ago, they called me to do warm up on um, Doctor Drew was doing, and I've since told them this story, they called me to do warm-up on a Dr. Drew morning show. They said, we haven't had a warm-up, we're looking for somebody, um, but the audiences have been really, really bad. So we're looking for somebody to be our permanent warm-up guy. And I was like, shit, I need this gig. So I went out at him and I bought a ton of gift cards, tons, because I was going to get them. I wanted them to be a great audience. So I go out before the show starts. I said, hey, guys, listen, we need this audience electric. We need you guys enthusiastic. Smile, be having a good time after the first break when dr drew comes out my best audience member is going to walk away with this 25 dollars target gift card whatever the hell it was well what i didn't realize is that the topic that day was very serious yeah. i didn't read the the script or the teleprompter so dr drew comes out and he's like uh we want you guys to meet mary mary was gang raped and robbed behind a dumpster in what silmar the 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 top and and by the way these audience members are only thinking about the gift card oh yeah so they're smiling they're applauding they literally have no clue what he's talking about and i remember getting quickly fired like because i wasn't paying attention to that story another another great one too was and i've told steve the story when i worked at carson daily i would always get i'll pull a loco gift cards uh from that chicken place yeah $5 and the dance contest would always be two hot chicks and a 60 year old from Minneapolis something like that right and inevitably the guy would win right because he's the dopiest right so one day I went to El Polo Loco and it was packed so I couldn't get a gift card with money on it so I just grabbed an empty I grabbed a card from the little bin up front and just took it with me right no money on it right before Carson Daly I start talking to this couple they're from Pittsburgh. I was like, oh, I'm going to be in Pittsburgh in a couple of weeks. Pittsburgh Improv, you guys got to come out. Great. We exchange numbers. Everything's good. He then comes down, does the dance contest. I give him the El Polo Loco gift card. <laughs> About two hours later, I'm in the parking lot at Vaughn's in Santa Monica, and I get a number from 412. I'm like, Pittsburgh, it's weird. The guy said, hey, this is uh, Jimmy. You know, you, we just met you at Carson Daly. My family and I are at El Polo Loco. You gave us a gift card. It's not working. And I was like, oh my God, they're there. And the guy said, is there anyone you can talk to right now on the phone to clear up that this is a good gift card? I was like, dude, first of all, there's only $5 on it or there would have been. <laughs> and who am I going to talk to? Yeah. You know what I mean? Can I talk I to thought, Mr. Loco? I thought, yeah. There was, there was also a time at Craig Kilborn where we had to kill so much time doing that show that one of the things I would do is because the price is right taped right below us. Oh yeah. I would do this thing where I'd have people run down from the audience to the floor during the price is right music. And whoever did it most enthusiastically would win a prize. 
And my buddy, my buddy said to me, don't do it. Somebody's going to hurt themselves. You're going to get in trouble. I was like, what does this guy know? I mean, this guy's old. I got, I'm bringing a new style of warm up to the business. <laughs> I swear to God, I did it like once. The guy took a tumble from the top stair of this, the, the, from the like stair on the stage to the floor, twisted his ankle. No. And then, he, then he says to me, is there anybody here that's a medic? Can I talk to somebody? And I'm like, I'm going to lose my job. Like, this is it. Like, it's over with. And so I remember giving him like a CD and just saying, hey, I'll be right back to you. And I never went back over to him again. <laughs> that was it. I dude, thought that, it could be the end of it. What if that guy's dead, dude? He could be dead. There was, there was another time, too, with one of my favorite moments <laughs> at uh, Carson Daly, where I was up in the audience, and there was silence in the room, just silence. And I was just like, I got to get the applause going. It's just a, a Morgan here. So all of a sudden, just randomly, I started applauding, and everybody else started applauding, too. And Jennifer Love Hewitt, who was the guest, looks up and she says, why are they applauding my dog dying? And I, I wasn't paying attention to where we were in the show. And I just started <laughs> applauding just to get some form of energy in the room. And she's like, they're applauding my dog dying. I was like, yibby. <laughs> <laughs> yibby. Yibby. Oh, dude. Brutal. Brutal. Oh, man. Love Hewitt just pulling the. Uh... Oh, my God. And there was, the what's I, up I, remember, I remember we had we had so many bands on Carson that nobody really knew. And so you'd have to pump them up like they were the yeah. greatest. And it was like, I just want to let you guys know, I saw this band in rehearsal. They were great. You guys, you were in for such a treat. It was like cloud cult or whatever. Yeah, give it up and for then, Dildo Muffin. Like, All right, <laughs> Gary says they're good. And then these guys come out. And I was like, here they are, guys, cloud cult. And the executive producer looked at me. He's like, it's not them yet. And I was just like, uh, meanwhile, I said that I saw them in rehearsal and they were great. And uh, oh, God. Dude, one time, one time we had on a band and they had to do a song again because the audio went out during the performance. And okay, you got to remember all paid people. They're just wanting to get out of there. They want to get their money. Oh, yeah. They just want to hit the streets. So I remember I was like, hey, guys, just a, a, a bonus. We're going to get this song one more time. A bonus. I, remember, I remember a guy yells out this sucks <laughs> and meanwhile like the band is right there they can hear it oh like, no sucks. isn't that hilarious this how was Car how was carson daly good guy the nicest the nicest yeah he was i mean literally just a guy who you loved working for and especially i came off kind of that Kilborn ferguson era yeah so like to work for him and that be my first like real like full-time warm-up gig on my own that meant the world to me. And it That's just, cool. you know, kind of changed me a little bit too. It's funny, you know this, just living out here in LA. Like I remember I moved into my own apartment in Santa Monica and it was like 1500 bucks a month. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to pay this. I just don't know. Cause it seemed like so much money at the time. Oh yeah. And it is, but you're just like, you go from, I think I was paying 800, to like 15. You're like, I don't know how in the world I'm going to pull this off. It's insane. Wow. But, but you know, you just do it. And then you're like, but he was, that was a great gig and it was four years. And, uh, you know, but I will say of all the shows, Sullivan was great, Dr. Ken, and then this Conan gig is literally, dude, I worked 15 minutes a day. It's the greatest. It's, yeah. I mean, how do you, I did, but you know, it's the greatest gig ever. It'll be it's back. So nice. We'll be back. Who were you there to see when you were there with your family? Who was on, well, it was just, they were just in town. So I, uh, who was on the show? Uh, oh, I think it was Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I think he like broke a table or some shit, right? Really? Somebody, Somebody broke a table from trying to do some weird stunt. Uh, yeah, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and was there a comic? 
There might have been a comic, maybe. But you just came to see the show. Yeah, yeah. They were just yeah, yeah, yeah. They wanted to go see a live taping, but yes. Um, but yeah, dude. Well, uh, is uh, is the quarantine good for you? Is it good? I mean, are you and your wife closer from this? Is it? Uh... Yeah, I got to tell you, man. We're really, you know, because she's she bakes. So because That's of right. you, we went and uh, delivered a bunch of stuff to the hospital, which that was is awesome. So cool, yeah. And then uh, I do the dog stuff as much as possible. Like whether it's like, hey, can you grab a dog from here and bring him here? Like, I, you know, I know people are bored and people are this and that, but I like. Well, you obviously flew up to Oregon, right? Yeah, you flew up there. Is the plane empty? Like, what does that look yeah, like? Yeah, there was maybe ten people on there, and that's it. There was a, yeah, there was just not a lot going on, and and um, airport was pretty barren too. It was weird, but uh, is you the know. flight like dirt cheap? I mean, how much you pay for something like that? Is it nuts? Yeah, it was like one thirty maybe. But that's for, still a lot to me for one way. Me too. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I thought it was gonna be like sixty bucks, honestly, but. Uh, yeah, dude, but, I could I could go fly to see my mom from from LA to Detroit one way, and it's granted it's on Spirit Airlines, but it's like it was like twenty five dollars. Like I know the bag fee would be more money, but like literally twenty five dollars, it's insane. So you know, I didn't know. I figured that it would be. Now, did you have any trepidation about flying, or you didn't? You're yeah, like, but I mean, I just had, didn't really have a choice, and to be up here with my pops, and uh, you needed to go. Yeah, but I, I masked it up, and I took everything off when I got there, and I, I, uh, you know fucking wipe down everything on the plane just was real careful about not touching stuff wiped down my bag i mean i've just been real good about it you know um, right so uh that's all you can do but you know it's like my my mom and set that up in seattle or like stay the fuck away because they don't want uh and i you know they're they're older too so i don't want to you know kill them but um uh yeah it's i don't know it's i don't know when thing you know i would like to say june july that things kind of pick back up but i also i, I think watched, so I think it's going to be a slow, steady people trying to feel it out and jump in and, and, you know, big things need to happen. Like the fact that, that Gavin Newsom says like concerts and sports might not resume till, or uh, the mayor, I guess said it until 2021, those big things, I think will, when those start to come back in, that's when you know that we're on the right track, but, 100%. but this, cause the slow, steady stuff, which we need, which you need too. I think, you know, I, I don't know. It's just, I, I don't, I think people are going to be real, dodgy and if they go to a restaurant maybe they can only allow 10 people versus if it holds 50 or a comedy club maybe they only sell a couple hundred tickets if it, the room holds 500 and spread people out just to kind of get some of it but even then like i think pe there are enough people that are willing to roll the dice and go do that but yeah, we'll i think see. comedy clubs are going to be back sooner than you think i really yeah. do yeah yeah too. they can't i mean you can't keep it's people are going to just start going crazy and i, I think know. you know Obviously, you want people to be safe, but I think that, you know, they will start going back. They have to. Yeah. I really to. do. I And listen, people ask me, I, I don't know what's going on with Conan. Um, you know, he's still filming shows, which is great. You know, uh, they take great care of us there. So oh, that's a good thing. You oh, know, good. but uh, I got, we've been good, you know, and, and just getting shit done that, like, we would have never gotten done before. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like it's, anal. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. Those little anal. things. Dude, are you you're getting that anal quarantine in? <laughs> By the way, anal quarantine sounds like the worst law firm that you could ever get to represent you, or the best, or the best band that you would have uh, falsely announced on Last Call with Carson Daly. Yeah, guys, you're gonna love this band. I saw love them it. in rehearsal. Anal quarantine, <laughs> Gary. It's it's dildo muffin. Oh shit! Well, look, someone's about to play. They're daily approved. People are just leaving. <laughs> This uh, sucks. This sucks. I didn't get a shirt. I've been here for four years. Like, oh my gosh. You I need to figure it out. 
People love free shirts, dude. If there's one thing this country it. will never not uh, love, they love it's, it. It's free shirts. They absolutely love it. What's the craziest you've seen someone respond to a free shirt? <sighs> um, you mean just going nuts? Like, yeah. Well, I mean, there, there are women who will, as stupid as, as this sound, like they'll take off their own shirt to put on that one. I mean, it's it's nuts. Whoa. It's it's so. I mean, and they're literally. By the way, don't wash these shirts because they're going to shrink eight sizes. They're just like <laughs> yeah, yeah. people will go nuts. And and by the way, this is always the case. You'll tell people at the end of the show, "I'm so sorry, guys. I don't have any more shirts. Ran out, but thank you." Inevitably, you'll have somebody come up to you and be like, "Hey, listen, my sister's brother's half nieces, blah blah blah, has cancer, and you know it would make it better." Is one of those King of Queen shirts. <laughs> They would feel so much better. That's what people do. That's they really, they really believe that that's kind of the thing. It's so silly yeah. that that shirt's gonna make all the difference in the world. Whatever so makes dumb. You happy, and it won't. Yeah. She's still gonna. She's still. You know, the the tumors are still gonna. You know, eat her up. <laughs> but um, they'll be popping out. Yeah. Well, Garrett, uh, I'm so glad we got to finally do this, man. Dude, it, it's I, great. It was, it was as wonderful as I thought it was gonna be. You're By a the fucking way, thank treat. Thank you, thank you for getting me in touch with the the hospital, and we're gonna oh do it yeah, again, and I'm oh really you excited. are. Yeah, that's yeah. so that's so cool. When I saw, you know, people posting about that, and then got connected with Whitney, and she was all about having you do it too. And that's so cool. Your wife's a pastry chef, so I mean, Whitney was fired up because that's I don't think we'd had that in the rotation for the food drop off at Cedar Sinai, which it was. What all did you just, bring them? Went to a um, uh, toast on third and got a bunch of salads and sandwiches and just dropped off lunch stuff. So they said uh, you dropped off your DVD. Well, look, <laughs> one of them might have fallen in to one of the salads and uh it's not it wasn't even actually my dvd it was just a dvd of notting hill signed by okay. signed the woman by said Emile you Hirsch. set up a merch stand in the ballet <laughs> i was like that's typical hey dude they're on the front lines and you know that just means they're vip to get uh you know for the meet and greet <laughs> you gave everybody your venmo <laughs> Oh the Perry Kurtz way. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, that's that's so cool you guys did that, man. That's yeah, it was really great. Up. We're going to do it again, and thank you for setting that up. You and got it. Thank you for having me. This was a blast. I love this it. This was a blast, Gary. You're, you're the man, and I hope to uh, see you live very soon. Uh, we will. Stay safe. Wash your butt. Wash those dogs. And, uh, and go have some anal. <laughs> love you, bud. Love you, Gary. I'll see you, bud. Bye, Bye, dude. Bud. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.